Hello, my name's Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times is what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time is privatisation bad for your health. New findings from a team at Oxford University suggest that it is. Researchers looked at 13 long-term studies from well-off countries, including the UK, to examine what happened before and after public health provision was outsourced. Their conclusion, increases in privatisation generally corresponded with worse quality of care. We're going to hear from one of those researchers, Ben Goodair, and Kat Hobbs, director of the campaign group We Own It. Welcome both. Uh, Ben, firstly, just give me a little bit of the background to the research, please. About two years ago, me and my colleagues at Oxford University published a breaking study looking at the outsourcing of care from the NHS in England. And we found that it corresponded with increases in treatable mortality rates. That's deaths from causes that are medically curable. So for this study, what we wanted to do is to see whether that finding was largely consistent across international contexts. And what we found concerningly was that it was. Now, I know that you looked at a huge number of pieces of research and decided in the end there were 13, is that right, that actually suited your parameters, whereby you could properly compare apples with apples, as it were, rather than comparing apples with pears in terms of before and after privatisation. So just talk me through that process so we get a better sense of understanding it. So this is a really hard evaluation to make because we can't think of outsourcing as a sort of randomizable treatment. We can't do this in a lab. And so the only way that we can evaluate the impact of privatisation on the NHS is by making observational studies that track changes in outcomes before and after privatisation. We set a few parameters to try and find the best and most robust evidence that we could to include in our study. And those were where we can see changes before and after outsourcing and where we can compare those changes to areas or hospitals which haven't undergone outsourcing. And as you say, that gave us 13 studies from eight country contexts. And just explain then what kinds of privatisation you looked at, because it's not simply a case, is it, of saying here is an NHS-run hospital or equivalent in another country, and that hospital then being run by a private company. It's not as black and white as that, is it? So what we found were two different types of studies. One that compared the direct transfer where a hospital that was owned by the public gets taken over by private companies. This happened in the US or Germany, for example. But another kind of study would look at the percentage of outsourcing going on within an area or within a hospital trust. And here we're looking at a sort of total level of expenditure or usage from the private sector. Okay, so the results then. What happened in your UK study and what happened more broadly? In the UK study, what we saw was that when areas increase their spending on for-profit companies within the NHS, we actually see that correspond with an increase in treatable mortalities. The social sum of this was billions of additional pounds being spent in the private sector between 2013 and 2020, and that corresponded with around 550 additional deaths from treatable causes. That was our UK study. What we actually found was that is happening elsewhere too. For example, in Italy, they went through similar reforms in the 90s 
and they too saw that where regions outsourced the most, they had greater deaths at a population level. The other main finding was when hospital transfer from public sector to private ownership, we see a decline in the quality of care. This is often measured either through staffing ratios, so per patient staffing gets cut after private companies take over a hospital, or we see that the case mix of the patients change. Private companies often target more profitable patients, those with more generous health insurance, or those who are healthier and easier to treat. Both of these things are ways for companies to try and maximise their profits rather than potentially delivering the best quality care. But the blunt truth of it then is that, as my headline suggested, that privatisation of health services is bad for your health. That was the overall question we were trying to ask. Is privatisation good or bad for quality of care? And we came to a relatively stark finding that consistently the evidence suggests privatisation is bad for quality of care and that the scientific support for further privatisation is just not there. Cat Hobbs, your group, We Own It, campaigns for greater public ownership of public services and you've campaigned against the outsourcing of health provision. What do you make of Benjamin's findings? I think it's incredibly useful to have this clear evidence that shows really clearly that privatisation doesn't work and it exposes the kind of failed logic of privatisation. Some of the reasons I think it hints at as to why privatisation of healthcare doesn't work, you know, cherry picking, cutting corners, these things are themes when private companies run public services. And what we see at We Own It is that you get the same kind of pattern happening again and again when our services get privatised. So if you think about key public services like water, energy, the railway, buses, Royal Mail, care work, and of course, the NHS, these are all services that we rely on. They're services where there isn't really a meaningful market. And they're services that are vital for us to be able to have a high quality of life and to support the rest of the economy and society. And what happens when you privatise those services, we see again and again, is that we, the public, end up paying more and getting less and getting a worse service. And we also lose out on accountability as well. It gets kind of taken out of our hands. We see those same kinds of patterns occurring in the NHS. So the research that Ben led on at Oxford University around the unnecessary deaths linked to outsourcing, you know, 557 unnecessary deaths because private companies working in the NHS want to prioritise making a profit. That is their duty to their shareholders. Their duty is not to their patients. So of course, they're going to try to cut corners where they can. And we saw that with the recent research that's just come out today around, you know, you've said, Ben, fewer cleaning staff available. Why? Because you increase your profits by reducing the number of staff available. And fewer cleaning staff means more infections for patients. And that can be a factor leading to avoidable deaths. So it's really, really clear that it doesn't make sense to have that logic in our health service, which should be about patients front and centre, supported by staff who themselves are supported by proper funding, decent pay. And that leads to the kind of outcomes that we want to see in our country. And Ben, part of your research did look at an outsourcing of cleaning example in the UK. Just talk me through that. One of the studies included in our review 
compared hospitals that had outsourced their cleaning staff to the private sector versus those that kept them in-house. And kind of remarkably, what they find is that the hospitals that have outsourced their cleaning services end up having more infections within the hospital. And they dig into that and they see that there are fewer cleaning staff, that their working conditions are they're working longer hours, having less breaks and so on. And so that, as Kat said, is a small way that we can see outsourcing build up into quite impactful outcomes for patients. Was there any evidence in terms of direct treatment of patients being privatised and then leading to less positive outcomes for those patients? So actually one of the findings of our paper is that one of the gaps in the research is where hospitals convert from public to private, there should be really more research into the kinds of patient outcomes that are then experienced. It's really hard to compare patient outcomes in public and private hospitals, often because, as you said at the beginning, you might be comparing apples and oranges. Regardless, that is still a gap in the research. But we know that in the NHS, for example, increasing numbers of certain kinds of operation, hips, knees and so on, are outsourced to the private sector. What does the research tell us about that? Well, one thing the data says this is happening at quite an alarming rate. In the last three years, the number of cataract surgeries done in the private sector has absolutely boomed. And so if the conclusion from this research is that that's bad for the quality of care, then in these areas such as cataracts, knees and hips, we should be worried at the rate of increase. Very often, Kat, anecdotally, patients say that they're very happy to be treated in a private hospital. They may say that the conditions, the surroundings are nicer than NHS settings. And if it's a case of getting your cataracts done or getting your hip operation done more quickly through a private provider, many people are completely relaxed about that. I don't think that's quite right. We saw in the pandemic the incredible support that the British public has for the NHS and its staff. I think patients obviously want to be treated. They want to be treated as quickly as possible. They don't want to have to wait. And what we're seeing with this government is that by systematically underfunding our NHS, it's forcing patients to have to go private. Essentially, either you're on a waiting list for far too long or you try to go private. And the government is really setting up that situation quite deliberately. In 2014, we had the best healthcare system in the world. It was efficient, it was effective. And then what we've seen, underfunding and privatisation. And those two things go hand in hand. So if you cut a service, if you cut the NHS the way this government has, we make it harder for the staff to provide a decent service and then you're pushing people away and you're forcing them to go private. And that is what the government is doing. And it's quite deliberate. We had the best healthcare system in the world. We could have that again, which is why we've now launched a campaign ahead of the next general election, calling on all election candidates to commit to reinstating the NHS as a fully public service. And what we're calling for specifically is for them to commit to ending outsourcing, so this kind of approach that the research describes, um, outsourcing contracts should come back in-house, reinstate the legal duty of the Secretary of State to provide healthcare for everyone. That legal duty was taken away in 2012 when our NHS was opened up to privatisation. And since then, £100 billion has been spent on non-NHS providers. That's a real drain on our NHS. 
And we're also saying fund the NHS the way that other countries fund their healthcare system. So 40 billion extra a year to bring us in line with those other countries. So we're calling on all candidates to commit to those promises because we think now is the moment we've had so many years of this government undermining our NHS when at the start of this government, back in 2012, our NHS was absolutely fantastic and we shouldn't let them get away with it. So if your listeners, especially having heard this latest evidence about the damage caused by privatisation, please visit our website, weownit.org.uk and send a message to your election candidates because they are the ones who need to hear this. I really, really hope, you know, this is research from Oxford University. This is very authoritative, clear evidence. And I think I really want to see Wes Streeting, Shadow Health Secretary, and Victoria Atkins, the Health Secretary, reading this research and saying, look, if we're expecting to be in government after the next election, what are we doing allowing private companies to take chunks of our NHS when we know the outcome for patients will be worse as a result. We see that from this research. What on earth are we doing allowing more and more privatisation? We should be putting a stop to it, reversing it, taking back our NHS so that it can work for patients and not for a handful of shareholders. Ben, of course, correlation is not the same as causation, is it? So you've measured health outcomes before privatisation, you've measured health outcomes after privatisation, and overall they show a decline in health outcomes, that's not proof of a link, is it? No, of course not. And as researchers, what you're always really worried about is that something else might be happening at exactly the same time, which is then causing the outcomes to change. However, all the studies included in our review, the researchers will do their best to try and account for that, to try and think of those reasons And we'll tend to conclude that as far as we can say, this is the best estimate that we have of the impact of outsourcing. And so while we can't do a randomized experiment of this stuff, if we want science to inform our understanding of the impacts of outsourcing and privatization, then we really do have to rely on these best estimates made by observational studies, which while can't absolutely claim causality, can get as close as possible. You did find some positive spin to privatisation, didn't you? I think in Croatia, where there were some pluses for patients. That's right. So our results were not completely unanimous. And there were two studies which were a little bit interesting in going against the trend. One found that after privatisation, for example, patients got access to phone calls from their primary care that they didn't have when it was public sector. Another paper found that when certain workers were outsourced to the private sector, they started claiming fewer hours of illness. This was their measure of quality of care. Were workers going off sick, perhaps from accidents or something like this? They were like, that's interesting. And they followed that up with a qualitative study. And what they found was actually what might be happening is just an under-reporting from the private sector companies relative to the public sector. This is another theme that you see across privatization. When we rely on self-reported data from hospitals, when we outsource those things, we can't always trust it. So that study itself is interesting for both finding something positive, but saying, actually, 
we don't know that we can trust this finding because the data that we're relying on is reported by private companies that have incentives to underreport it. The arguments used in favour of health service privatisation tend to be increased competition, so the opportunity for customers, i.e. patients, to shop around, a more patient-centred approach, and a more efficient use of resources on the assumption that private companies will manage money and systems better than the NHS. Did the research talk to that? Firstly, we weren't super interested in whether governments can make savings from outsourcing. As a primary research question, we think the most important thing that we should be looking at is quality of care and patient outcomes. This is what we want our health policies to target. One of the things that we did find as a sort of side outcome from the studies was that when privatised, hospitals tend to make more money. And they do that by cutting healthcare workers and by changing the patients that they serve. So it might be the case that a sort of hospital level, hospital managers in countries that privatise their hospitals entirely can start to make more money. That could be one form of efficiency if that is what you're targeting. However, as I said, we thought the most important thing to look at was healthcare quality, patient outcomes, accessibility, equality. And on these measures, it wasn't the case that we very rarely saw any improvements after privatisation. I think it's really interesting that the study included the US. That's always, I think, a really important thing to highlight when people in this country try and talk about the benefits of privatisation. Look at what's happened in America. Look at their healthcare system. They spend far more than we do and they have much higher mortality rates, many more people dying. People go bankrupt because they get into debt. It's just an absolute disaster of a healthcare system. So it seems to me that we're going down a track that we can already see a very clear example. We don't want to head in that direction. And I think a lot of the reasons that are put forward by people who are often linked to private healthcare lobbyists for why privatisation might be a good idea are really bogus. Because actually what you need in the NHS is you need collaboration between experts for the benefit of patients. You don't need false competition of the internal market, which costs around $5 billion a year. You don't need these big corporations, which are all about protecting their contracts and their profits. What you actually need is doctors and nurses and healthcare staff being able to use the best evidence available and innovate within the NHS and collaborate with each other for patient benefit. And actually, the big contracts with companies like Palantir on data, for example, when the NHS gets locked into these contracts, that works against the interests of patients and of doctors trying to improve the service for patients. Yeah, I recommend a podcast we did a few months ago about Palantir's involvement in the NHS. Do look back through our previous episodes to check that out. And to see the current state of the NHS, you look at the recent statistics suggesting that cancer survival rates in Britain are lagging 15 years behind other major nations. Thousands of patients being denied treatments such as chemotherapy and radiotherapy, ageism in the system as well. But Kat, when New Labour came to power in 1997, they were very keen to use the private 
health system. And in fact, one of the ways in which they worked down the then quite substantial waiting lists was to pay private hospitals to carry out lots of operations, which successfully reduced waiting lists then within the NHS, even if you don't support private medicine. Isn't it sensible in these kinds of moments to tap into the capacity that private healthcare offers? Well, what New Labour did was they funded the NHS much more than is happening right now. But right now, they're not promising the funding that's needed. And they're letting all of these resources drain out to private companies. It's being presented as, you know, we need to buy in this extra capacity from the private sector. But look what happened with the test and trace contract. That was £33 billion going to Serco and Co. It was a complete failure. That money could have been put into building up local public health teams. So I think New Labour did some sensible things around this. But what we need to do now is look at the travesty of privatisation in our NHS, back with the PFI contracts and then over the past 10, 12 years, where we've had an opening up to the private sector. We've had all of this money going out just to private companies alongside this underfunding. And we're actually still suffering, actually, from some of New Labour's mistakes. For example, these private finance initiative contracts where some trusts are in debt to such a degree that they're spending up to 13 percent of their income just servicing those debts. It's just a really basic but really important point. Where is the profit going to come from? It could be reinvested back into better patient care. And that logic, I think people can see it really clearly across the board. You know, there's a, there's been a news this week about Thames Water. Where is Thames Water's profit coming from? You know, Thames Water's made a profit by not investing in the infrastructure that's needed, allowing sewage to flow into our rivers, allowing leaks in our system so that they can give dividends to their shareholders and also so that they can build up debt because they're essentially a financialized money-making company rather than a water service. And it's the same logic. It's the same logic in the NHS. There's a choice to be made. Are we putting this money into uh, shareholder dividends and profit or are we prioritizing the patient and the public in our public services? Benjamin, uh, what have you and your colleagues got lined up next as research in this area? And do you think politicians are listening? What we're looking at next is actually social care services. So one direction NHS might go or might look to is what's happening in adult social care and long-term care, care homes and nursing homes, where there has been a vast takeover by the private sector. And now the vast majority of care homes are owned by for-profit companies. What we see consistently here is not only that for-profit providers deliver worse care in care homes, but also there's a massive care crisis going on where the standards across the board are just poor. And so what we're wanting to do is look into this and see if we can't add to the robust research that we've been producing on the NHS, but also looking at social care services too. Are policymakers listening? Maybe no. Media and people, I think, very much so. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Benjamin Goodair from Oxford University. Thanks to Kat Hobbs as well from 
We Own It. I'm Adrian Goldberg, and you've been listening to the Byline Times podcast. If you do want to support our work on this podcast, then please consider taking out a subscription to the Byline Times. That's our brilliant monthly newspaper, which contains the best of our online offerings with content that you can't read anywhere else. So head over to bylinetimes.com and please take out a subscription. That's at bylinetimes.com. This has been a We Bring Audio production for the Byline Times by me, Adrian Goldberg, and Harvey White in Birmingham. Thank you very much indeed for listening. We'll see you again soon. Cheers now. Bye-bye.